Hello, wisdom keepers and light bringers of the world. Welcome to the Rise Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Jordan, and I'm honored to facilitate a place for us to gather and hear the stories and wisdom from our relations. Thank you for being here. This podcast is listener supported, and we ask that if you find value in these episodes, that you make a donation on our website, therisecollective.org, in service of our continued learning and community building. Before we begin, let's welcome the guardians and gatekeepers. We humbly ask for your protection and assistance today. May our listeners hear what they need to hear in service of their highest good. And so it is. Hi, everyone. This is Carrie Jordan from the Rise Collective podcast, and I'm here today with my friend Angie LaRue. She's known in Boulder as Angie, the long-haired redhead, Um, and we know each other through a few different communities here in Boulder. Angie is a Christologist, psychic, animal whisperer, energy worker, manufacturer of orgone generators and products. And most recently, she's begun extensive research into carbon-60 molecules, which are also called buckyballs after Buckminster Fuller. And she studies and works with the effects that they have on the human body by repairing and restoring and collecting free radicals in the body. And she lives and works here in Boulder where she has a special room, which is called the Crystal Sanctum. And she does a lot of healing work there. It has some really high frequency and high energy, orgone energy. And she is in possession of one of the largest orgone generators in the West. So um, we're going to be talking with Angie about her journey and kind of how she's gotten here to this path and um, hear some of her, her stories. So welcome, Angie. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you for having me. And hello, everyone. It's mm-hmm. a joy to be here with you. Can you tell us a little bit more about your work in the world and how you found this path? I know that you had an awakening Um, when you were living in Hawaii. And that seems like a juicy story to start with if if you're open to starting there. Sure. I am. Yeah, it, uh, I think the path found me. Um, (laughs) The path rose up and smacked me in the face. Um, yeah, it was kind of the cosmic two by four awakening, in fact, and it happened December 9th, 2011 at two o'clock in the afternoon. And I was uh, walking in the kitchen to get a drink and I got my drink and I turned around and uh, I don't quite know how to describe it, but like a rift opened uh, in my kitchen and the walls in my kitchen became very transparent like I could see between the atoms and the next thing I knew I felt like I was falling into this rift which was bottomless sideless it was no space it was like the space between worlds but not outer space there was no it was just gray it seemed to be lit only by my body um, and, and that was extremely startling. I was on the phone when it happened with somebody and I was screaming. (laughs) um, 
Wow. I, I'm not sure how I came out of it, actually. But I came out and I was kind of quantumly entangled with the person that I was on the phone with. And that took us about nine months to get untangled. It was extremely messy. Um, I learned a lot. I learned about a lot about quantum entanglement after that. I got really seriously into quantum physics to understand what had happened to me. You know, at that time, you know, I was going to church and singing in the choir. I was a soprano. Um, I'm the daughter of uh, a Methodist pastor. Uh, my father is um, an ordained pastor and my mother is a lay pastor. So I was heavily raised in religion. And this is not something covered. <laughs> this wasn't covered in school. This wasn't covered in religion. This wasn't talked about anywhere. I had literally nobody to turn to. And at the time, I was in the middle of a 20-year marriage. And I was seeing multidimensionally. I was having, I could see all kinds of beings. I was seeing, I got very lost in time. I, I didn't know if if what I was seeing was getting ready to happen in the future, it was happening in the present, it, it was, everything got all squished together. It was terribly messy. And originally, like I said, we, we had no basis to understand what had happened. I, I hadn't taken any drugs or anything. I wasn't on anything. I was on a business call when this happened. Um, so my husband and I thought maybe I had had a stroke or a brain hemorrhage or you know, some wires got crossed somehow. And so we did a lot of testing. We did a lot of, you know, traditional inkblot test and psychological test and IQ test. Um, and I was well above average in everything. I, you know, what I wasn't was crazy. And that was kind of disappointing because I was really hoping, hoping medicines or a nice padded room could work this out. And, uh, yeah, that yeah, was the so problem. <laughs> it sounds like you were living a pretty um, conservative life. Is that I sweet? was. And it sounds like you're not one of those people who, like, has always seen this way or, like, um, thought this way or um, been able to, like, access other realms. It just all happened at once. Uh, in my happened? childhood, of course. Yes, but by my early teens, it had got shut down. My, uh, mm -hmm. We had a farm, and we didn't always have money for a veterinarian, and my mother would uh, help me go pet the animals and spend time with them while they were sick or pregnant or whatever. And uh, one day I asked her about this. I was like, why do you always stick me in the barn with the sick animals? And she's like, because we can't afford a vet, and they get well when you're there. And I'm like, well, what a, I don't understand. She's like, just go pet them. Just go love them. When you love them, they get well. And so, you know, looking back on that now, I realize I've always been a healer. Um, but mm -hmm. I was raised in New Mexico during the Cold War. And it was right when there was a huge amount of paranoia uh, in America. We had just discovered that the Russians were uh, using psychic powers, that they had really developed it, and they were using it on espionage and, and on military basis, and that they had highly developed it. And we were playing catch up. And so when I was going through grade school and junior high and high school, um, there were regular stories of, of people who had psychic abilities who were being disappeared. You know, military vehicles would pull up or black cars would pull up and, you know, they would take them away and we would never hear from them again. And so, you know, what abilities I had got seriously suppressed. I had church people telling me, you know, keep this quiet. 
do not talk about it. If you have a dream about somebody, don't, because I was uh, precognitious as a child, you know, don't mm -hmm. tell anybody about it. Um, and my family and, and it really got, it really got drummed into me. And so I ended up suppressing everything and, and forgetting about it. I mean, I completely forgot about it. So when I had a spontaneous awakening and everything came in at once, it was deeply shocking, deeply, deeply shocking. And it completely uprooted my life. And, you know, I, I went through a spell where it's like the laws of physics didn't apply to me and it was deeply disturbing. Um, so spirit took me out of my home, uh, sent me on the road and I entered gypsy mode and I spent about three years traveling around the world um, as I was taught um, by spirit and helped to re-remember um, everything. And I've known lifetime after lifetime. And, you know, of course, even lifetime after lifetime was a shock because I didn't believe in reincarnation and now I'm seeing past lives <laughs> and what I did in them. So, um, it was a huge education for me and it took me quite a while because the Kundalini flowed on the very first day, the day of awakening. Uh, I thought lightning was coming out of the ground and shooting up my spine and that was terribly confusing. And so there, there was, it took a while to get this all landed, you know? Yeah. And what year was that? 2011, December 9th, two o'clock okay. in the afternoon. So just... So what is that? That's 11 months, 12 months. I guess I had a little over a year before the 12, 21, 12 lineup, mm -hmm. galactic lineup. Yeah. So I came on just so, before the galactic lineup. And that was about, to me, you seem to have integrated it pretty quickly. Yeah, just in the last year or two to be honest oh, with you, okay. just in the last, the last year or two, but it was pretty hard and fast, you know, so it was basically like a four-year doctoral. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's how you came across this path. And what were you doing before? Weren't you working in I was, a, I was a professional artist. Um, I've oh. been a professional artist for like 36 years, galleries, mm. toured around the world, collected around the world. Um, so when all this happened, of course, I had to pull out of all the galleries and just stop. I was like, that was the last thing on my mind. Mm -hmm. And, and I haven't returned to art. So you work with crystals and energetics and you also have these psychic abilities. Did all of these gifts come in one by one or did you like, did it all Happened it at was once. spontaneous. Every bit mm -hmm. of it came in at once. Um, and when we, when we had figured out what it wasn't, and I went to a lot of medical doctors and stuff too along this line too. It was very confusing when all the chakras started becoming active and stuff. I, I, I just thought my whole body was spontaneously breaking down or something. So I started Googling things. You know, thank God for Google, right? And mm -hmm. I was like, what are these scenes? I'm typing into Google. What are these scenes I'm seeing when my eyes are closed? And that led me to remote viewing. I was like, oh, okay. And, and so then I, you know, once I had a label for it, I was able to research it further and develop it. And so, I, you know, really, you know, within, within the first couple of months, I was a very solid remote viewer. Mm -hmm. um, and remote viewing is um, like a psychic tool. Right. Correct. It's essentially the ability to disengage the consciousness from the physical body and view something from a, re a remote location, at a remote location. Mm 
And as mm-hmm. this is, this is pretty well developed at this point. Um, we spent a lot of taxpayer dollars on developing this. And at this point, all the arms of the military forces have remote viewing units and, you know, there's remote viewers at this point uh, that are hired by corporations and, you know, and stuff like that, because you can, you can backwards engineer, you know, they can say, hey, this is the project, this is the idea, but we can't how to figure out how to get there. And they can bring in a remote viewer who future jumps to the finished product, you know, describes what it looks like, brings that back and the engineers, you know, can backwards engineer it. I mean, it's extremely useful. I've, I've, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and just, even for little things like finding your keys or helping somebody find a missing pet or it's just a useful tool. It's a really Mm. useful tool. Yeah. So that was kind of my next question. I'm glad you're talking about remote viewing because I'm wanting to talk about the how, like how does it work when you're giving people readings? And I, I was curious if your insights come through words or thoughts or feelings or, um, are they auditory or do like which of your senses are engaged and, and how does your, do your gifts work? Okay. So I guess the best way to explain this is I have to get Angie out of the way. Angie being thinking mind, the personality, the one who's kind of inhabiting this body where, you know, body and mind. And I have to uh, let spirit come in. So we're, composite beings. We're body, mind, and spirit, but most of us are running around, and I certainly was until December 9th at two o'clock in the afternoon, thinking I was only body and mind. And yeah, I knew something about spirit and heart, but I didn't really know what in the world that was. We sang about it on Sundays, though, but but, but really, I didn't know what it was. Um, but now I understand as the eternal aspect of myself, which is, it happens to be pretty embodied in my case at this point. So I get mind out of the way, I turn it off. I just use mind to ask the question. And then Mm. the answer actually comes through spirit. And I can do that in a multitude of ways. I do that through runes, which are a very ancient Nordic divination tradition. I use that. I can do that through oracle cards. And then I also can do that through uh, intuition, where I'm putting a a mock-up of a rose. So if I was reading you, Carrie, I would you know, ask to see what your rose look like. So this is presenting you as a rose and that rose is going to be a little bud or it's going to be a bit open or a lot open. It's going to be certain colors. There's going to be, you know, thorns or not thorns or leaves or lots of leaves or not very many leaves. And all of these have meanings for me, which I can then look at you. And then I can also, you know, I can look at the stem, which represents um, an approximate um, sense of how many iterations or how many incarnations you've had here on the planet and then I can kind of like make that stem into little slices and I pull a slice out and blow it up on my uh, psychic reading screen and look at a past life for you Um, and a lot of times when I'm doing readings um, you know everybody has a team that works with them and these you know are angels and guides and benevolent beings and um, oftentimes those benevolent beings are family members or dear friends or pets who have crossed over and they'll show up in the reading and they'll, they're basically poking at me trying to get my attention because they want to move a message to, you know, to their person. So in general, when I'm doing a reading is I'm connecting uh, vertically to my higher self 
And my higher self is connecting horizontally across to your higher self. And it's the two higher selves that are really doing the interaction and really moving the information back and forth. And then that kind of, you know, channels down to Angie, the ego mind thinking, and it comes out my mouth, the information to you. Mm. So does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. What has my attention is what you were talking about with the rose and the runes and divination cards. And the way I learned to work with those things is working with a symbolic language. And so I'm imagining that you're, you have a very developed symbolic language. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a computer programmer last night who's writing, um, a, you know, special code to, to build a special project. And um, he said to stand still. And he's like, you know, as a psychic, can you go in and find out what's going on with this code? And what, what do we need to do to get this finished, you know, get this product finished and get it to market? And I was like, ooh, well, um, I don't know, you know, let's, give it a little, <laughs> let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ooh, computer code. I don't know. Um, so I did a mock-up rose of uh, the computer uh, program that he's writing and crazily enough was actually able to see it and explain to him what I was seeing and I'm explaining the you know the visual language right of what I'm seeing and um, you know I, I have these five points and these five points are pertinent and all the rest of this code around it is like the 2.0 it needs to not be included in this project that's the next project when he does the upgrade and um you know so when i was done with the reading i was like okay what are these five points i'm seeing what are these five stars that you need to finish the rose the rose is two-thirds done a third is not done and it's five points to finish it what are they and he's like oh right it's da -dun -da -dun -da -dun -da -dun -da -dun. i was like there you go that's your program do those five things save the rest of it and and he's like okay and if I do that, when can I finish this? And it's like six weeks. You can wrap this up in six weeks. And he's been working on it for two years and he's that close to being done. But just wow. had so much going on in his head. He couldn't, you know, whittle it down to that essential mm -hmm. to see the end point, right? So, yeah. Amazingly wow. enough, I could see computer wow. code. <laughs> and I, yeah, I love that because... Um, a lot of what I focus on is how can we bring the magical element and of ourselves and our essence into the practical of our lives. Exactly. And I think a lot of people struggle with like, this is my spiritual life here. And then this is my professional life here, but actually they can inform each other. Ideally. Mm -hmm. we can live a spiritual life every moment of the day as a human, mm -hmm. ideally, you know, but, but that's the whole landing out on the tarmac thing, right? You know, we, we don't want to have them. We want to be an integrated body, mind, spirit. We don't want to be separated into body and mind and then spirits is, you know, nebulous thing out there, you know? Right. Right. And so, yeah, ideally we want to be able to get that integrated so that we are living as a spiritual being in every everything that we do and that doesn't mean running around you know going namaste all the time because that's that's not really it mm -hmm. <laughs> you know it's it has to do with the love and the creativity 
that we bring in into our lives? You know, are we expressing as light, you know, or are we sometimes light and sometimes adding to the chaos that's already existing, you know, out there? So, you know, mastery is really being able to stay in your light and in your love all the time. And when you're able to do that, you know, you start experiencing great peace. You know, great peace is the reward of being able to chop wood, carry water, be in love with mm. all, with the experience of carrying water and chopping wood. <laughs> yeah, I love that soundbite that you just gave us. You are doing all this energetic and psychic work and you work with these crystals. And I'm wanting to know a little more about how you got your hands on this organ, orgone generator that's the only one um, in the West because we haven't really heard how you became involved in crystals. This um, is a fun story. Yeah. This is, a, this is a great story about resistance, okay? <laughs> and <laughs> that which we resist persists. And I, I kind of had a list. You know, we, ha we have a list of things that we might want to be in life right? And then we probably have somewhere that list of things we don't want to be. And, and I distinctly had my list, you know, I didn't want to end up in jail or prison. I didn't want to be a single mother. I didn't want to be on welfare. I didn't want to be in a physically abusive relationship. I didn't want to be a crystal woo-woo person. Don't ask me why <laughs> that was so strongly on my list, but I, I, I don't know. I that was really literally on your list. On my list. I, I did wow. not want to be a crystal woo-woo person. Mm -hmm. um, I, like, I didn't get it. I, I had met some people who were really into it, and they were talking just all this. I, I, you know, it just sounded like they were on drugs, and it just seemed like a really good thing to not be, was, was one of those people. Mm -hmm. And um, so as I'm going through the awakening, I, um, and Spirit has me traveling had me manifest a vehicle and now I'm you know traveling and I've learned how to stay congruent with this time phase because I had been slipping in time and stuff but now I was safe enough generally to drive but spirit was doing the driving for the most part just telling me where to turn and I was off across the deserts of Utah in Monument Valley and um, spirit kept making me stop at rock shops and I had no interest in rocks whatsoever. I really didn't. You know, ice cream, that would have interested me. Yeah. <laughs> rocks didn't. And, you know, spirit was basically gouging me, like poking me energetically with all these little, like, pins and needles and making. I was just so uncomfortable. And I just, ah, stop doing this, stop doing this. And then, I, you know, I'd finally give in. Okay, I'm going to turn around. And as I turn around on the highway and start going back to the rock shop, the pressure would let up and the pokes and the pins would stop unless I would go, oh, I'm feeling better. It's okay. Let's turn around and continue on. And then it'd start up again. So I was being herded, you know, I was just totally being herded into rock shops. And, you know, I have these really distinct memories of going into these rock shops, these dusty desert rock shops and, you know, standing inside the door going, oh my God, this is horrible. This is, this is so not me. What am I doing here? Why are you making me do this? And now I'm talking to myself in a public place and you're doing this to me too. <laughs> just mortified and spirit going, hold your hands over the rocks. And I'm just like, okay, well, I'm going to do this because I know you're not going to let me alone if I don't. And so I did. I would hoover my hands over the rocks and what am I supposed to feel, you know, or anything. And to my extreme surprise, I could feel like wind blowing up from the rocks. It's like light breeze, like, you know, 
blowing your, you know, blowing on your hand, this light breeze. And I was like, well, that can't possibly be. There has to be some logical explanation. And so now I'm looking for, you know, the air conditioning and fans and vents and open doors or windows. I'm looking for anything to explain why that's happening. And I can't find anything. And that suddenly gets my interest. Wait a minute. That must, that's energy. Why are they releasing energy? And how is this rock different, right? And so now I'm actually engaged. My curiosity has been engaged. Why is this? And why have I never noticed it my whole life? So now I'm involved in the mystery. I can't explain why there seems to be energy rising off rocks and why I had never noticed it before in my life, right? So now spirit has me engaged in the mystery, has my human mind curious. I have a mystery to explain. So I'm testing other rocks and what do I feel? And I, I start noticing there's a difference. You know, some rocks have a heavier feeling, some have a light tinkly feeling. And uh, so I end up spending an hour or two in the rock shop exploring this new thing I've learned. And I get done, I'm kind of like, spirit, that was cool. Okay, thank you for, you know, having us pull over and teaching me that. And I start to leave the store and spirits like, buy them. And I say, oh, no, no, I, I, I don't want to buy a bunch of rocks, please. And the poking and the prodding continued until I did. And so I ended up buying a, you know, a box full of rocks. And now I'm driving around the desert with a box full of rocks. And I'm just tears are streaming down my face. Why are you making me do this? I feel like a crazy person. I don't have a lot of money. And now you're adding a lot of weight to the vehicle. And, you know, at that time, gas was like four twenty-five a gallon right? So I, I was just endless whining and stuff. And then I would get to a camping spot and I'd get curious about the rocks again. And at some point, there was this one rock, which started speaking to me you know, telepathically in my mind. And it told me its story, the story of its life, what had happened to it until I picked it up off the shelf and bought it. And now it was with me. And that was the first time I realized that they had, there was consciousness there too. And I spent days shocked about that. And I would be driving around in Monument Valley, Bryce Canyon, Zion, and glancing in my rear view mirror at the box of rocks in the back of my van going, did that really happen? Right. So it, it took me a while to open to it, but when I did, it was originally the crystals that took me into the Akashic Records, took me into past lives, and showed me the great many lives I've had as a crystal alkalite, crystal priestess, working out of caves, working out of stone temples, and working with crystals. And so, um, so once that came in, once I saw, oh my goodness, I've had this multi-life relationship with them and I quit resisting them. Um, they became a very valuable companion and tool for me that I, that I use in my practice. And it, basically I just downloaded um, vast amounts of past life information. So like everything I had learned over all these other lifetimes with the awakening of consciousness and a lot of prodding from spirit came in in this lifetime. So, and then that led to the development of Oregon generators. You said that you, you downloaded a lot of information from your past lives and it led you to the, de to developing the Oregon generators. So how, yeah. So originally the Oregon collector was developed by Wilhelm Reich and Wilhelm Reich, uh, he did his formative work 
during the same time as Nikola Tesla and Einstein and mm. Freud and Jung, they kind of all graduated from uh, the University of Vienna, which in the 19, early 1900s was the best university in the world at that time. And then they all ended up immigrating to America. So he had already started a lot of the work around organ generators, but after a lot of the nuclear testing, organ generators became unstable because they were absorbing all the radiation. And so that work kind of ended. And the Crofts came along uh, and she was um, a mineralogist or maybe a crystallogist like me and understood what quartz crystals do. And so she had the idea to put a quartz crystal into the organ generator matrix and that stabled out, stabilized out um, the energies. And um, now the quartz crystal could process all the EMFs and stuff that, that the organ generators were pulling in. Um, and turn them into neutral or beneficial and healing energies. Mm. So Spirit ended up leading me to all this work, had me buying all kinds of quartz, um, and took me to Florida where I met a guy that I had known on the internet, but I had never met in person. I had known him for quite a few years. And he just happened to have, he had gotten it about 15 years before, um, with the knowledge you're going to need this someday, just hold on to it. And then I showed up in his life and what he had bought years before was all of the books that were published by Wilhelm Reich and his research paper. And then I show up with all the crystals. And so we began manufacturing. We spent uh, uh, two years, three years in research and development, manufacturing organ generators until we came out with the lines that we now carry today. So then when I became a crystallogist working with crystal circuitry on the healing on the human body healing it, I just have people lay down and I surround them with crystals in, in these very specific formats, which are like a circuit board. So I'm plugging the human into the circuit board and it runs energy through their body and, and their auric field, um, causing what are certain effects, whatever it is that they're needing. Um, I wanted to do it on a giant organ generator bed. And by then, you know, I had progressed so much and remembered so much and reintegrated so much that I wanted it to be a, a crystal bio bed also. So what ended up happening is we built upstairs in the crystal sanctum, this, it's like, it's like a massage bed, except it's really huge. It's really big and it weighs thousands of pounds. And it is a giant organ generator crystal bio bed. And it's, it, it's definitely, it's, it's quite large, it's quite significant. We have to, it produces a tremendous amount of energy. Um, so much energy that I've had quite a few people, quite seriously, almost in anger, tell me that I need to put a warning sign on my front door that this is a energy rich high frequency zone because mm -hmm. it is kind of mind altering. Yeah. So um, I have a question about that and I'm still interested in the thread about how you downloaded all this information from your past lives. Like you said that the, um, I think you said that the crystals helped you to access the um, Akashic records. And so you were able to, to find out all of this about your past lives and download all the information that you knew when you were a crystal priestess and you were working in the crystal temples so can you tell us a little bit about that? Like how that works? How does one okay. 
do that. Yeah, I'll try to explain that in a not so mystifying language. Okay, there's a lot of people who've talked about the Akashic Records, and it's just like, what in the world? Yeah. So, so I, I'm going to explain it in kind of a physics way. So basically, all the atoms in the air have existed here on Earth since the beginning of Earth. And they basically hold the vibratory information of everything that's ever happened to them, the places that they've been in. Okay, so essentially, the very energy around us holds the records, the history of Earth and everything that's ever happened on Earth. So let me give you an example of, of how we accidentally access this information um, practically every day without realizing it, that we're, that we're doing it. Okay, um, you come up to a red light. You're in a great mood. The day's been going really good, and you're sitting at the red light, and you suddenly start noticing your mood degrading. And you're starting to get really annoyed and really <laughs> irritated, okay? And you don't even know why. Now, eventually, the mind will make up a story to go with that. Oh, so-and-so, you know, my boss, blah, 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 you know, my mate, or, you know, it'll come up with a story. But in the beginning, you just have the emotion, and you don't know why. And then brain gives it a story, okay? Well, you pull away from the red light, and uh, your, mood, your mood starts recovering. You start feeling better, and you're just like, oh, what was that all about? right? So, but, but if you kind of rewind the day, what happened is there's been several other people that had legitimately had a bad day. Something really bad happened to them. And as they sit at the red light and they process that, they're kind of shedding the energy off of them. They're kind of programming the air in that space, which then you drive into later and you, you pick up all that bad juju, all that, you know, I'm really annoyed, you know, mm-hmm. and like, you know, another way that you can tell programming um, in the atoms is like, you know, the difference between some really nice little, you know, boutique shop and go into Walmart. I mean, it's a radically different energy thing, right? Yeah. So the very atoms in the air around us um, hold information. Okay. So to access that information consciously, like in a really directed kind of way, um, what we do is we drop into theta state and we change our own frequency. So we're tuning our frequency, ourself, and we can do that through our emotions and our thoughts, you know, so like love is a really good way to go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that then kind of gets us in line with that information set, okay? So if I want to learn certain things, you know, certain, you know, I want to put myself into a learning mood, you know, what it feels like to be a student, what it feels like to receive information, something like that. So we're literally tuning ourselves, not from an alpha brain state, wave state, which is what you and I are in right now, waking consciousness, but a theta state, which is like a deep meditative state. And then we're tuning ourselves to kind of that radio frequency band to receive that information set out of the atoms around us. And that's the Akashic Records. So does that, so does that make sense? You, you tune yourself to the information yeah. set that you need so you can kind of access that radio wave, so to speak, that channel, like you're, you know, turning the dial on your radio to get, you know, country music or, you know, rave music or whatever you want. Mm-hmm. We're tuning ourselves to a particular lifetime or to a particular 
cellular information set. And so like when I started developing, you know, the organ generators and stuff and wanting to take it to the next level, like this giant organ generator crystal biobed, um, there was a couple different people who are masters of this, who really had the information set that I needed. And so I tuned myself to their frequency. So obviously Wilhelm Reich, right? Right. And another one, because I need to understand circuitry. I need to understand how energy moves and I need to be able to direct energy in very specific ways, not something kind of haphazard. And I needed to be able to tune things to certain frequencies to be good for the human body and healing for the, the human body. Because, you know, there's people really sensitive people will lay on this bed and, and instantly have out-of-body experiences. And not everybody wants to do that. You know, that can be scary for some people. So I want it to be a controllable kind of thing, not just a radical huge amount of energy. It needs to be finely tuned. And so when we start talking about frequency and energy and tuning that, guess who the master was on that? Nikola Tesla, right? Mm. So when I'm designing in building these things, I am standing on the shoulders of giants. I'll just tell you right now, I cheat like a mad dog. I go to the masters and I talk to them. Mm -hmm. okay. I'm not the I'm, I'm genius behind this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, so you're tuning yourself in a theta brainwave state to, mm -hmm. um, learn, to a frequency where you can learn things. Where the information's at. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like going through the, you know, the card catalog or the Google, I'm, you know, Googling it in the etheric. And yeah. so you also have done this with your past. Yeah. Lives? My past, or other is it people's with your past lives or is it like your higher self that already has the information? Higher self has the access to it. Okay. So I'm basically just brain is getting out of the way in higher self. I'm tuning the body and the whole frequency field, the whole auric field around me. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very easy for higher self uh, to get that information and get it back to the thinking mind again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is a little bit of a translation that, that has to happen is, you know, the different parts of us. Like in order to open a door, uh -huh. you have to have the desire to open the door and then you have to engage the physical body to walk to the door, right? Yeah, so there's right. a little, you know, but we don't tend to think it like it gets really streamlined. We don't even think about that, but there are yeah, steps involved. Yeah, and the message goes from your brain to your hand to reach for the door. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. a good metaphor or is that a metaphor? <laughs> metaphor, um, analogy, something analogy. like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of those. <laughs> good analogy. Um, so you, you, were, you were talking about how people think you should put a sign on the door because your house is your it's Some. like a different energy field really powerful, mm, it's very what's, powerful. It, what's it like to live and work in that space and what's it like when you go outside or when you like go mm -hmm. elsewhere but you know working in this frequency the frequency is actually set to 244.5 megahertz to be really specific and then it's very energy rich on top of that so the air itself feels very light and sparkly um, it, it almost feels like there's a little bit less gravity in here. Um, mm -hmm. And that feels wonderful. Like my brain is clearer, more functional. Uh, it, I have to do less cleaning on my energy field. It stays very high and pure. Um, it's a lot like living in a temple, to be honest with you, like in a mm -hmm. really sacred space. 
Um, and that's recognized. You know, I've had uh, shaman and rabbis and priests and priest, uh, uh, priestesses and, you know, all manner of clergy come here and they immediately recognize it. And I've had them bow in. I've had them get down on their knees and kiss the ground. I mean, they recognize sacred space. Um, it's very palpable. You know, it's not, it's not something our mind just, you know, puts some stuff together and says, okay, boom, this is sacred space. You know, um, it's a registrable frequency. Mm. Um, now, what happens when I leave it is I have organ generators in my vehicle too. <laughs> so, um, so it's about four days and, and I won't ever try this experiment again, but we went to Italy a couple years ago and did not take organ generators with us. And that was a really bad thing and I'll never do that again. And um, what happened is after about four days in Italy, um, we are auric fields and our body started acclimating to the ambient frequency of this air, what everybody else is living in, right? We're no longer augmenting our frequency. And so we're basically coming down is what we're doing. We're coming down and coming down didn't feel good. It didn't feel good at all. And we, out of three weeks in Italy, we spent two of it laying around the hotel room, feeling like we were getting ready to get a really nasty flu. And we only made it out once or twice a day to go get food. And so all the touring we'd planned on doing, all the exciting things that we were going to do, we had no energy. We felt like we were getting ready to get a horrible flu. Wow. And eventually, uh, we made it up to Damanhur. And Damanhur, Italy, is uh, the temple of mankind. It's a very conscious community, and the whole community is gridded. And so we were able to get back in high frequency and it was kind of like we came back to life again and everything was wonderful and we had tons of energy and we ran around and did all kinds of things again. But yeah, we kind of completely screwed our trip to Italy because we didn't take Oregon generators. So it was like we normalized again and boy, did that not feel good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the reason that you would want to um, increase your frequency and your vibration like that with an organ organ generator would be can you explain that like why sure. are you wanting to um, right have a higher frequency so let me give you an example let's just i'm going to just throw out some frequencies to give you a feel for what is frequency and what does that mean okay mm -hmm. so the average healthy human body operates between 68 hertz and 72 hertz okay uh, when we start getting a cold we're dropping into around 65, 62 hertz, something like that, or probably about 65. But flu sets in around 62 hertz. Things like Epstein-Barr and, and, you know, some other diseases start setting in um, around 59. Uh, cancer sets in at 54 hertz, I think. And tissue necrosis, death of the cell, is at 30 hertz. Okay, so, so that's kind of within the human body. And then different organs um, are going to vary. This one will be 68. This one's going to be, you know, 69.2. You know, so there's some variances with inside of us. So now let's look out in the environment. So the Schumann frequency, this is uh, the frequency of Earth itself, is uh, 7.852, something like that. Okay, um, Nikola Tesla did a lot of frequency testing here on the Front Range in the Rockies. And Colorado Springs is, I believe, 37 hertz. Sun, sunshine, 
is 122.6 hertz. Okay, so let's jump. Let's jump to the high end of the scale mm -hmm. of what's making the third dimension what we experience is the, th is the third dimension, the Earth realm. Mm -hmm. um, the second highest naturally occurring frequency on the planet is selenite at, and you've already heard this number today, 244.5 megahertz. Okay. Mm -hmm. The highest naturally occurring frequency on the planet is actually the dew that settles on the roses overnight on roses and it is 330 to 350 megahertz depending on the, the type of soil the health of the rose the type of rose stuff like that is going to you know make up the difference how healthy is the rose therefore what is the frequency it's putting into the dew wow yeah so higher frequency um how that equates to us is higher frequency makes it easier for our body to operate well Okay, it's just a lot, a lot smoother. Everything's easier. It's like having less gravity. It just doesn't have to work as hard. Higher frequency also um, is directly connected to the evolution of consciousness. So, mm. you know, the awakening of consciousness is the rise of frequency. Love, for example, is 528 hertz. Okay, love is a gateway state. Um, that helps the evolution of consciousness. The next main gateway state is 741 hertz. Okay, so it's kind of the stair step. So, as our overall frequency, and this is this is a state of being. This is not just a momentary thing. You know, we've all kind of had these momentary epiphanies, and then they pass, and then we're kind of back down again, right? So, so we don't we don't want that kind of thing. We want something more like this continual rise and I'm making hand, hand movements which probably aren't going to translate but <laughs> but yeah so like, instead of wanting of, of it being like a heart graph which is like spiky and up and down we're wanting it to be more smooth yeah yeah more more like going from the foothills into the high rockies so you know mm -hmm. you're, ki you're kind of constantly going up even though sometimes you may have to go down the back side of a hill before you can go up the next bigger hill right mm -hmm. so you know that's that's the evolution you know, instead of this is this radical earthquake looking graph line, you mm -hmm. know, we, we want an evolution. And so when we bring things into our life that have a higher frequency than we do, and they hold a field, an area, a space around them in which they are the dominant, dominant energy in, and our, and our field crosses over that field, we pick up some of that. And if we consciously grid, like let's say we grid in rose quartz. So we have a room that's basically surrounded in rose quartz. Rose quartz is around 528 hertz. It's not actually quite dead on 528, but close enough, you know? So this is the energy that, that we feel, like if you connect us up to graphs and little wires and stuff like that, and you show us a bunch of pictures that make us feel love, we produce a certain frequency and that frequency is 528 hertz. So if you're using stones to augment that, right, a whole bunch of stones that are producing basically 528 hertz, you're now living in a loving field. That helps you be more, a more loving person. And you know, even though when you leave and you go to work, you're leaving that field, you're getting to return home to it and refresh in it. And that helps you to overall raise your frequency towards love.
you become a more loving person. You're more loving in your thoughts to yourself, more loving in your thoughts to others. You're more forgiving of yourself, more forgiving for others. You know, this is the development of compassion, you know, which then takes us into another, another uh, frequency set. So, yeah, so we can actually think of, you know, angels and benevolent beings and stuff. The, the 3D is a frequency set. So think of like an octave uh, on a piano, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, a set of frequencies. And, and we know our bottom is, you know, 7.825 hertz or whatever earth itself is. And we know, you know, roses are at the top at 350 hertz. And then we have a bunch of man-made stuff, EMFs and stuff like that too. But so, you know, angels are fifth dimensional beings. And so that's like, you know, several octaves away. Right, mm-hmm. so dimensions are like octaves, and we as humans are existing in one octave set. But if we can evolve, you know, across that octave set to the high end, this is where we start crossing the veil. This is where we start getting access into the Akashic records and access into higher, you know, higher beings. And this is where people like me become translators because we can we can cross the veil. Mm. I love that, and so. Does that mean that people who are on the, a lower vibration may not be able to um, access their guides on the other side or um, work with the angels or things like that? Not necessarily. I mean, because we are eternal beings having a human experience, we're all going to occasionally glimpse beyond the veil okay Mm, but what we see beyond the veil is going to be what our frequency is tuned to okay so yeah so you know if if you are in a live you know really low vibrational state you've been through a bunch of really terrible things and you're trying to pull yourself out of it and you're also you know thinking about maybe knocking yourself off and this whole thing ain't worth it anymore too so you're in really low vibrational state right Mm-hmm. but you have psychic abilities so what's going to happen is this lines you up you become in alignment with lower vibrational beings and so you're going to start seeing stuff from the lower astral and this stuff is most likely going to look really scary mm-hmm. and it's going to feel really scary and if it communicates with you it might be really scary things so you know this is how we use vibration and in frequency to tune ourselves to what we want to experience because the rest of the universe is out there, whether we believe in it or not. Mm -hmm. And our experience, how we interact with that, how we experience that is going to depend what radio we've, what radio station we've tuned our little dial to. Got it. And my last question has to do with um, kind of the sustainability of crystals. So if everyone went out and bought you know, a hundred rose quartz crystals and put them around their bedroom or something like that, then that would be really not good. Yeah. Not good. Bad for mother earth. Earth. And so, because what we really want is something that produces 528 Hertz. You can mm -hmm. get that from a sounding gong. You can YouTube 528 Hertz and play the music that has that, you know, certain flowers produce that loving feeling, you know, we can have a pet. You know, a pet, mm-hmm. especially a dog, is unconditional love. Boom, there you go. You got it all the time. You know, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of ways to get your 528 hertz. You don't, we don't have to, you know, yeah, there's I no love right that way or no wrong way. 
And I'm also, what's coming up for me is that like not everyone's life purpose is to be mm-hmm. a Christologist like you. No. And so f- go find someone in your community and, who, who and, works with crystals and can mm-hmm. create a grid around your body um, and has those tools because mm-hmm. it's not and everyone's it, expertise. Yep. And my life's work is to offer that now. I right. have been informed. I have a new boss. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, there's so many methods and there's so many ways, you know, to get this work. And what I really like to do is to help people uh, to start standing in their own mastery. And a lot of times we need help. I mean, this is why we have universities and schools and parents and everything else is uh, to, to learn how to learn, you know? Yeah. Um, but then we, it's not ours until... Uh, until we can walk away with it and we don't need somebody to help us. And and that's really my goal. You know, mm-hmm. my goal is to help people um, to stand in their own mastery, take control of their own lives, be able to reduce the chaos uh, and be able to enjoy this, ex- you know, this experience of being here on planet earth. Cause it's actually pretty great. It really yeah. is. Yeah, it is. It's an adventure. <laughs> I know that you have some offerings that you want to offer to people on the show. So do you want to share those with us? Yes. Yes, I will do that. So anybody who uh, contacts me and mentions Carrie's name or this podcast, um, uh, we have a, a special for you. Two different ones. The first one is a cleansing, purifying, and chakra balancing. This is cleansing and purifying your auric field and your body and um, you know, I'll be doing some checking on some stuff to make sure everything's okay. So it's kind of a checkup. And that's a 30-minute service, and it's 25% off if you will mention Carrie in this podcast. Uh, it's normally $40, and today it is $30. And the other one is a full-service crystal array, and that is normally $180. And if you will mention Carrie on this podcast, it's only $150. And that's a, that is a full-service um, package. So it starts with a reading. I'm going to connect with your higher self and find out what you most need, what's going to be in your highest good and be most beneficial and useful for where you are right now. Then it includes a cleansing and purifying and chakra balancing. Um, uh, it includes a frequency increasing. I'm going to uh, increase your frequency, and I'll do that through sound and through some scents and uh, through some other things. And then you get to lay on this really fabulous, amazing crystal biobed, this organ generator crystal biobed, your whole session. In fact, the whole crystal array will be on that. And then I do the crystal array. So it's two hours. Uh, it's pretty intense and amazing. Um, the feedback on this is, it's, it's, it's very real. Please drink mm-hmm. lots of water in advance. And uh, do mention Carrie in this podcast. Yeah, I've, I've heard really good transformational things about the second offering, the cleansing that you do. And um, I'm excited to get in there myself. So take advantage of that people <laughs> from this crystal priestess. We have and you, you can contact me um, by phone. If you're local 808-285-0047. Uh, 
Uh, I know it's a Hawaii number, but I'm located in Boulder, Colorado, 808-285-0047. You can also book through the website. My website is www.crystalarrays, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-A-R-R-A-Y-S.com, crystalarrays.com. Or you can email me at um, crystalarrays. <laughs> at gmail.com, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-A-R-R-A-Y-S at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you so much for those generous offers, Angie. And thank you for sharing your story and your wisdom with us. This has been really a pleasure for me. 